and fiends jesus titty flipping christ i am so sick of technical issues um if you're listening to some podcast streams of course you're probably thinking what 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 i i, I literally have everything prepared all my tabs open my information i'm hitting start streaming youtube is saying oh excellent connection but you have to hit a go live button on youtube and that was just grayed out that was just grayed out like nothing I was there like, ah, stream keys, everything's correct, uh, everything should be fine. Um, but no, it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. And <laughs> it's really pissed me off. Um, and yeah, like I say, I had I had tabs for all the bits uh, to go through on the show, but I had to restart my computer. So I literally have nothing. And I thought, I can't, I can't do the countdown again, because we're already like 15 minutes late because of flipping software technical issues i don't know if it's obs i don't I, I mean i did notice when i turned on my computer earlier on to kind of set things up all of my shortcuts on my taskbar weren't there like uh spotify obs discord um but i didn't think that was anything i just thought okay that's odd oh man i'm so angry <laughs> um right how, how is everyone i hope everyone's had a good uh good week good weekend I hope you enjoyed the, um, I'm just going to get new news now. I hope you all enjoyed, uh, the, uh, miniature slam this Sunday. Thank you to Bericles for, uh, stepping in, uh, to assist me. Um, and, uh, obviously I'm hoping Lawrence had a good time, uh, with his gig. He was out on the road, so he couldn't do, uh, couldn't do the show, but normal business resumes, uh, this coming Sunday um oh god it's been a very toasty very toasty few days hasn't it i am also trying to get, trying to find the new segments that i had prepared um while also trying to fill time uh, i think that's all the news that we can do really uh but um funky profile fault sounds like it could be it could be i don't know like everything is the same on the setup but just yeah a oh, funky pro i guess maybe it could be the windows profile maybe but i remember to hit record and i thought we can't do a 10 five minute countdown now because y'all y'all been waiting around long enough um i will just try and uh get up some 
bits while I'm filling time. But on this week's show, we of course will have the usual news. I've got a couple of reviews. Um, we've got the return of the MOH book club. The long-awaited return, you could say, because it's been quite a while. Um, <laughs> I will also fill some time now by saying uh, I had to um, I'd start listening to the book uh, around the weekend. At, I've got the audiobook, the idea being it'll be much quicker for me to get through it. No. No, no, that did not quite work out uh, as anticipated. Um, I ended up having to start listening to it at 1.5 times speed. That was fine. It got to today, I started at 2 times speed. I then went up to 2.5 times speed, and I started feeling like I was going to get like a aneurysm or a nosebleed or something, because it was just a lot to take in. Um, apologies, I'm not really looking at the camera. I'm trying to get all the tabs that I had back before my computer decided to be an utter shit show. Um, okay, I mean, that that's, I think that's enough for now. Let me just get one more and I can always, when we get to an ad break, uh, I can always, uh, get the last, well, the, the main bulk of the, uh, the notes, I can always get the main bulk of the notes then. But, um, as mentioned in the discord, I've, I finally upgraded some little streamy bits now that we're pro we're pro youtubers uh you know youtube uh partners we've got to try and add some things in so there's going to be a certain little points i'm going to throw in some sound clips five points um uh, uh yeah fran do you know what fran the cannon um i got to the point at school and i was fairly intelligent like mainly english to a degree maths which kind of works i'm an accountant now but um but yeah i got to a point where i resented the prospect of uh homework and oh, where's this news thing i was looking at one of the things that i did want to discuss uh, uh we can look at that um and I got, I got to the point where i just utterly resented homework so i would yeah I would take the shortcuts. I'd even get into school the day the homework's due and say, all right, who's done the homework? Do you mind me having a look at it? And I'll do a dumber version of it. Uh, you know, like, I'm not going to try and take your credit. Um, hey, Hassan. Hey, Jalloray. Bruce Todd. Gruff. How's it going, guys? Um, yes, yeah, so I did use the cliff notes. But don't worry, I will not be using cliff, cliff notes for the next book, which we'll discuss a bit later on. Um, but yeah, so I've got some little sound bites. I'm going to play one now. It's they're both all three of them. I've got three. They're all probably going to be fairly obvious, but I'm just going to say, hopefully it works anyway. It might not even flip and work. Um, right or wrong. I met this six year old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. There you go, there's one of them that I found. I was like, I can't not have that. It's a bit long. Um, I'm probably should trying to get some sound effects ones, but um, I leave things till the last minute, guys. You're probably going <laughs> to get used to that now. Um, okay, let's... Uh, Fran the Cannon, no! No! Zero points for Fran on that one. 
Zero points, unfortunately. Uh, the graph classic, the graph knows. Um, we'll get on to some news now. Um, but yeah, drop drop your answers in the chat. You get five points. What do these points mean? I don't know. Nothing really. <laughs> buzzer for Frank. I need to get a buzzer effect, don't I? I do. So let's jump into the news. Um, this is going to be a hot button topic, and please let me know in the chat, or if you're listening to this later on on podcast feeds or watching the video after it's gone live, uh, hit me up on Twitter at ministry underscore horror, or jump in the Discord. I will, of course, baby ice, baby ice gets five points, and I'm assuming Graph knows Graph gets five points. Um, uh, yeah, hit me up with your opinions. Uh, on what I'm about to discuss on the Discord or the Twitter. I'm just going to share. Uh, God, do I remember how to do it? There we go. Right. Invite people. Uh, copy. I'm trying, I'm trying to remember these little things. Of course, as well, we have Super Chat now. If you don't already, subscribe to the channel. Give us a subscribe. Hit the like button. It all helps Al Gore's rhythms. Um but what I wanted to get to uh, and talk about, we had the first trailer, well, the first full trailer drop for Rob Zombie's The Monsters. It has, um, uh, surely rather than a buzzer, it should be a scream. You're correct there, actually, Fran. I will find something for next week's show. Um... Rob Zombie's trailer for The Monsters has released. Um, it's proved to be fairly divisive. It's generally been more so derided. Um, but there are defenders out there, which... Um, now, I get that the original series, the black and white series, was quite campy in its humour. Um, I get that. This looked like... A full moon film from the 1996, maybe. Like, it looks like it hasn't been colour graded or something. Like, the lighting just looks crazy. The audio in the trailer sounded terrible. Um, a lot of people have issues with Herman Munster's uh, portrayal. The new guy playing him. Um, Jeff Daniel Phillips. I don't mind too much. Apparently, you know, it's a bit of an insult to the original portrayal. I don't I, I don't really care too much about those things because it's a new version. You're playing a character. You're not playing the actor playing the character, if that makes sense. Um, I, yeah, I can see things either way. Um, Sherry Moon Zombie. Now, okay, to, to look put a positive spin on things, because I, I, I am trying not to shit on everything. <laughs> um... It's kind of cool that they have such a relationship, Sherry and Rob, that, uh, you know, they'll work together on projects. Um, I, with some of my ex-girlfriends, I couldn't imagine working with them, which probably sounds bad. Maybe that's more a question of the relationship and why they're exes. Um, but it's cool that they have that kind of relationship where they can work together, right? She's not a good actress. I think the testament to that is that she, to my knowledge, only works in her husband's films. Um, and this is a, it's, it's a fairly big role. This is a property that a lot of people love. Um, I think you can get a pass in Halloween, because you could say the same about that. It's an adaptation, not an original piece. And I do think her work as Baby um, in 
uh, Baby Firefly in um, House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects was good. And even Three from Hell. Three from Hell is a much kind of lower on the totem pole. As you can tell it's a lot less budget. But Three from Hell, I thought, was actually all right in comparison to some later zombie pieces. Um, so she's, she's not terrible, but... I would say with Halloween, okay, maybe give her a pass because it's a smaller role in, in the first film and uh, it's it's almost like a new role because the mother we'd only seen and it's a completely new portrayal of the family dynamic, of course. Long-winded way of getting, uh, getting around it, but it's quite cringy, this trailer. Her performance, definitely. Um, just the look of it just, just screamed cheap. Um, and I do feel, I mean, everyone's entitled to their opinion, but I do feel the defense of it being, oh, but the original, you know, he loves the monsters, blah, blah, blah. You, for me, I think you've got to take out, um, oh, but this guy loves the project and uh, uh, the original stuff was campy, blah, blah, blah. You, you've got to kind of base it on your experience, for me, of what you're watching. And what I watched looked like cheapest of the cheap trash from the 90s it looked almost like a horror commercial um from like you know like a, a halloween sale or something from the mid 90s it just looked bad it just looked bad um larkies pumpkin head 2 funnily enough when we get to the bulk of the show that's what we're going to be talking about um but the the part of the reason this is in the news um is that the monsters has been confirmed they will be premiering on netflix this coming fall. Uh, so this all comes from bloodydisgusting.com, as per usual. Uh, Brad Miska wrote this up. Rob Zombie himself confirmed the news on uh, IG, telling fans that they can head back to Mockingbird Lane this coming September on Netflix. In the film, the strangest love story ever told, Herman and Lily's crazy courtship takes the monsters on a hauntingly hilarious trip from Transylvania to Hollywood in the all-new feature-length film. Now, initially thinking, oh, where's Eddie Munster? Um, Munster, uh, where's the the niece or the cousin? Can't remember her name. But okay, they're doing a, a courtship. They're doing almost an origin story, a prequel. I don't mind that so much, but it just looks terrible. I mean, there's the point when they arrive at that uh, woman who's dressed up like a witch for trick or treat. I guess her house, and she collapses, and then it does that awful. I'm quite pleased with that impression, actually. That awful music. Um, no Wishmasters 2. I believe that was 2001, maybe. I haven't got Netf uh, Wishmasters 2 in this. But yeah, this is coming to Netflix. Um, the original series, The Monsters, is streaming on Peacock. I don't know if that's here in the UK. We do have a version of Peacock with Sky, but uh, it ran for two series from 64 to 66, spawning several feature films and a sequel television series titled The Monsters Today in 88 to 91. Uh, Brian Fuller's Mockingbird Lane reimagined the series for NBC but never made it past pilot. Um, ooh, well, I mean... So far, the consensus does not seem to be hugely positive uh, on uh, on that. We'll move on to the next bit of news. So, fans of Fear Street, Netflix welcomes fans back to Shadyside. More films are in development. Uh, Netflix took a huge swing with their Fear Street trilogy, a trio of young adult slasher films released just weeks apart and all directed by uh, Lee Janaik. 
Uh, he did Honeymoon, which is pretty good. In the vein of Stranger Things, the Fear Street trilogy wasn't quite the smash hit um, Netflix had hoped for, with the streamer notorious for announcing unsubstantiated record-breaking streaming stats staying silent on numbers. No matter... R.L. Stein, writer of the original book series, the films were loosely adapted from, uh, said that there are rumours of more Fear Street films. Um, I enjoyed the first two. I still haven't got around to watching the third, I'll be honest. Um, the first one was decent, had some, had one of the most inventive kills I've kind of seen for a while in a modern horror. Um, and the second one I did think was better. It was quite a cool homage to 80s, you know, Friday the 13th, Campfire Slashers. Um... Uh, uh, Larkies, man, you've got quite a lot of the uh, quite a lot of the classic um, straight to video sequels. I've only I've only cherry picked a few, um, but you got some great suggestions. So yeah, keep them coming. Um, Fear Street Two is my fave from the trilogy. Baby, I says the gruff. I've read quite a lot of positive things about the new Resident Evil series, but it looks awful to me. I guess it's just not for me. I will stick to the games. I know I should give it a chance, but the trailer didn't do anything for me. I've still not watched the trailer yet, but I do. I've heard mixed stuff. I've mainly heard negative of it so far. Um, too much, too much on the watch list at the moment. Um, let's jump ahead. So, Penny Lane is dead. Wolf Creek producer spikes the cupcakes. This is the headline comes from Blood Disgusting. Brad Miska. Matt Hearn, producer of Wolf Creek, one of Australia's biggest genre exports, is backing Penny Lane is Dead, the feature debut of Australian writer-director and makeup artist Miakate Russell. This comes from Variety. Penny Lane is set on a warm night as 17-year-old Penny Lane is celebrating getting into college with her longtime girlfriends Tony and Amy. The night, however, does not turn out as planned. Penny Lane's jealous and troubled cousin Cat decides a cruel prank is in order, and what begins as a thoughtless spiked cupcake game spirals into a night of bloodshed. Penny Lane is dead as a reverse home invasion thriller led by a powerful 17-year-old female protagonist and a good dose of blood and gore. It's packed with action and rock and roll and will satisfy all die-hard horror fans. I do like the Australian horror scene. Um, it kind of ebbs and flows in uh, in regards to... I guess what gets any kind of um, coverage um, or notoriety over here, um, but it's there's there's some good stuff in there. I mean, Wolf Creek's obviously a classic for me. I always liked, oh my god, the name of it escapes me. But the one that's semi based on a true story, I believe, where a girl kidnaps a guy that she really fancies, and her dad kind of keeps him hostage. They drill into his skull, kind of doing the whole Jeffrey Dahmer trying to make a human zombie. And she's done this for another guys before. I can't remember exactly what it's called, but if you guys know if that description helps at all, it's an Aussie film from the early 2010s, I feel, or maybe like 2009. The Loved Ones, Baby Ice. Yes, I thought that was excellent. Really, really good stuff in that film. So yeah, the the Aussie... Uh, I mean, the Australian horror scene's always kind of been there, and it does ebb and flow with, uh, with some really good stuff, so it's always worth keeping an eye out. Um... Oh, the gate to Larkis. I was going to include that and I completely forgot and I ran out of stuff because of the whole shit show at the very start of the show with it not going live properly. But the gate to is definitely an honourable mention. For some reason, I really like that film, even though it's it's not great. Um, so we've got four films along with Jordan Peele's Nope being released this week. Uh, that is July 19th to the 22nd. So we kick off uh, with Amateurville in Space. 
uh, takes the horror franchise to new frontiers. It's currently available on VOD and DVD. The ultimate battle against the Amterville curse begins after the infamous murder house is exercised from Earth and reappears in outer space in Amityville in space. From director Mark Polonia, who did Sharkula, this one stars Titus Hemmelberger, Cassandra Hayes, Tim Hatch, Ryan Dalton, and Jeff Kirkendall. I'll drop the link for this page in the chat because there are trailers. Feel free to check them out. Um, yeah, we've got for Vipco, we've got on our books uh, a film due to be released soon. Well, one of the directors kind of fucked things up, I'll be honest. Um, but it's due to be released soon uh, called Amityville Hex. So if everything can go to plan, we can get that film out. But I won't go into too much of my, my, my gripes behind the scenes. That's nothing to do with the, the film or the filmmakers. It's business crap. Moving on. Dutch director Nico van den Brink's directorial debut, Moloch heads to Shudder on Thursday, July 21st. 38-year-old Betriek lives at the edge of a peat bog in the north of the Netherlands. When she and her family are attacked by a stranger one night, Betriek sets out to find an explanation. The more she digs, the more she becomes convinced that she is being hunted by something ancient. Uh, it was written by Van der Brink and Dan Baker. Moloch stars Sally Herm um, Hermsen from Blade Runner 2049 and Catch, and Alexandre Wilhelm, the Wheel of Time and the Last Kingdom. Uh, I caught the trailer for this actually earlier on today. It does look pretty interesting. So that is one that I'm going to keep an eye out for uh, on the uh, on the Shudder uh, the Shudder exclusives. Uh, Amityville in the space. I need not hear more. I'm sold. <laughs> Bruce Todd, love it. Uh, Frank the Cannon, Blackwater, Wormwood, and Babadook are good Aussie films. I I liked Babadook, except I did not like the ending. I'll be honest, I did not like the ending. I thought it's I I understood the. Uh, what they're saying with the story, but I still just, I don't know. I was left a bit flat by how it ended. Uh, Blackwater's cool. Uh, Wormwood I've seen bits and pieces of, and I know there's a sequel out now. Um, Baby Ice, Amityville in Space. Now that sounds like a 90s director video sequel. <laughs> We're going to talk about one of them later on. Um, the Gruff, Babadook, I really liked. Larkis, Amityville, It's About Time. That's, that's, we got one on the list later on, uh, Larkis. Um... And Bruce Todd also have my eye on that one. Yeah, it does sound good. I'm going to be uh, interested in that. Now, fans of found footage, which hopefully, hopefully we've got some. We did a show on found footage a few weeks back. Mean Creek director Jacob Aaron Estes is back with found footage Nightmare He's Watching, available on VOD on July 21st. When happy-go-lucky siblings Iris and Lucas are left alone while their parents recover from an illness, a series of playful pranks that they play on each other escalate when they start receiving unsettling images and videos on their phones. As the incoming messages become increasingly nightmarish, Iris and Lucas realise something sinister has taken root in their home. Estes conceived and created the film during the pandemic lockdown with his family. Jacob Aaron Estes also serves as the film's writer, editor, cinematographer, producer, and co-star. The cast includes Iris Serenis Estes, uh, Lucas Steele Estes, and Gretchen Lieberum, who produce. Uh, there's a trailer in that link. Um, a, a lockdown filmed film puts me already in a mind of 50-50. I completely respect the... Um, the guile to make a film during lockdown my own film devil in the woods we were going to finish it um and then lockdown came in on the very the day before the very last day of shooting when there was a, a, a break in that we managed to all reconvene because a lot of the actors are based around the country uh, and get it finished 
Um, but we had to put in some, a lot of things in place, you know, PPE and uh, you know, testing and all that stuff. Um, Bruce Todd, correct. Um, <laughs> so I, I respect that. And I've seen films like Host, the um, webcam film that, that, that worked great. I've seen other films that were clearly made in lockdown um, and just it didn't come across it as it, it was well, sorry it came across that that was the situation that kind of hampered it a bit um it's, it's a 50 50 really i mean i guess it comes down to the film itself um but i have to give kudos to you know going ahead and making something productive and getting it released as well you know kudos to to the family uh horror and westerns collide with writer director chris canfield's feature debut blackwood Releasing in theatres on July 22nd before a VOD and digital release on July 26th. A gang of violent outlaws forces a native woman to lead them through a treacherous forest towards a fortune in gold. Um, the Wendigo horror... Well, that's probably a bit of a spoiler there. <laughs> the Wendigo horror movie stars Glenn Morshower from Transformers The Last Night, Tanasia Slaughter, The Last Son, uh, Bates Wil uh, Wilder from Joy, Stelio Cervente of My Super Ex-Girlfriend, and David Shark Fralick. Reap what you sow. Yeah, when someone gives themselves a, a, a nickname in their official acting name of Shark, you know it's quality. Or they're a, a quality actor. Anyway, um... <laughs> Larkis, you're almost guessing some of the films now. <laughs> um, the biggest release of the week, Oscar winner Jordan Peele's third horror movie, Nope, arrives in theatres on Friday, July 22nd. In the mysterious new film, residents in a lonely gulch of inland California who bear witness to an uncanny and chilling discovery. Daniel Kalu um, Kaluuya of Get Out will be re-teaming with Peel on the mysterious movie, with the cast also including Stephen Yoon of The Walking Dead and Mayhem and Kiki Palmer from Scream. Michael Wincott of The Crow, uh, Barbie Ferreira and Brandon Perea also star. Um, let me know your thoughts in the chat on, uh, on Nope. Are you hyped for it? Are you not? The trailers look interesting, but my hype for jordan peele went down a lot with us i really enjoyed get out and i think daniel kaluuya is a great actor i remember him when he used to be in psychoville the bbc uh, series from the guys that did league of Gen the, the league of gentlemen and um inside number nine uh but nope uh, not nope us um just didn't really click with me i found that when they got to the explanation section, I don't think you always need to have an explanation. You can leave things vague and open to interpretation. I liked how things were explained in uh, Get Out. In Us, I just kind of thought it was a bit like, huh? It seemed like how they tried to tie it together at the very end was a bit quick and last minute. The the twist reveal I, I enjoyed, and I won't say any more if people haven't seen Us. I mean, it's a few years old now, so if you're going to watch it, you'll have watched it. Um, but yeah, I wasn't too big a fan. I, I tried watching the new Twilight Zone, couldn't really get into it. So the trailers I've seen for Nope so far haven't um, intrigued me that much. I'll wait to see what the buzz is like. Um, I mean, I don't live near any cinema, so I probably won't watch it in the cinema. Uh, but yeah, let me know, guys. Are you hyped for Nope? Uh, Baby Ice? Nope. <laughs> hey, Eddie. Um... Bruce Todd. Oh my god! I tried to find a soundbite actually for that to add to my board, but I couldn't find one in time. Um, and Bruce Todd enjoyed us more than Get Out. Fair enough. 
Fair enough. I mean, us did very well. It just, uh, didn't really click with me. Um, moving on the news, Inscription releases August 30th on PlayStation consoles. Uh, as a follow-up uh, to last week's announcement for Inscription heading to PlayStation consoles, publisher Devolver Digital has announced that the rogue-like horror title will be releasing on the PlayStation Store August 30th for PS4 and PS5. Pre-orders are now up and running for the game with a 10% off pre-order bonus. Inscription is described as an inky black card-based odyssey that blends the deck-building roguelike escape room-style puzzles and psychological horror into a blood-laced smoothie. You're stuck in a cabin, playing cards against a stranger known only as Leshy. In between play sessions of the card game, during which you'll be building up your deck through insidious means, you'll also be roaming around the cabin, gradually solving a series of puzzles that grant you powers at the card table. Um, I mean, I kind of checked out on that when it said card games and roguelike and puzzles. Not for me. I, As I've sent, mentioned on the show before, I'm very narrative-based with my games. If it's not a narrative-based game, then it's something like FIFA that I just turn my brain off for. Um, I want to like Elden Ring, and I do occasionally keep dipping into it. It's just that those games are too hard for me. I, w I would much rather watch a Let's Play. There's a, there's a channel on YouTube called uh, RKG, which was formerly from IGN. They did a, a Let's Play series called Prepare to Die. And that's how I've followed the stories of the, the Dark Souls games. I've tried playing all the Dark Souls games. I'm just not very good at them, and I, I'm not prepared to get good. Um, so, yeah, in terms of this roguelike uh, puzzles card deck building not for me but if that is for you that is coming to playstation stores august 30th and is available for pre-order now fran the can and yes watching rkg2 uh yeah i enjoy rkg I, I wish they'd hurry up and get to Elden ring but they are currently doing demon souls um i feel that they need to add to their dun counter and death counter an is it counter because daniel creeper who's the law master and he does provide a lot of insight which really is quite interesting to the games God, he says, is it a lot like, oh, dying on this, uh, dying on this cliff then, is it? And and, and uh, Rory, when he's, uh, he's the guy that plays the games, and he's clearly hyper on Monster, you just think, what the hell are you doing? But it's a really entertaining series, and Gav, uh, Gav the, uh, the Welsh guy, is really funny on that. Not that I'm trying to promote other YouTube series, but uh, if you like Let's Plays, and I would never do a Let's Play of those games because they're too hard, um, then yeah, check check out their channel. Um, and then lastly on the news, uh, boop, 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 we've got some more game news. Psychological horror game Imperfect draws upon Gustave Doré for inspiration. We have video games like the upcoming Scorn, which I'm hyped for, and that's going to be on Game Pass. I've pre-installed that. And Darkseed that have taken inspiration from H.R. Geiger. But what about other artists? Solo developer Walter Wood's upcoming horror title Imperfect switches things up a bit taking inspiration from the wood etchings of 18th century artist, artist, uh, uh, bleh, artist Gustave Doré for their first-person psychological horror adventure. Uh, Imperfect is an episodic game, with three episodes being planned. Details on the story haven't been fully revealed as yet, but according to Woods, the game is a character study of an imperfect man and his place in the universe. Told through a pulpy thriller plot with emphasis on mystery, mystery, mystery 
I'm having a stroke or something. Um, and the supernatural. Uh, imperfect sees you having to find your way through a dark and dangerous landscape where you're being hunted by whatever is it is that lurks in the darkness. You've been given a collection of mystical frames by a mysterious observer that allows you to reveal hidden secrets throughout the world, along with lurking enemies. Throughout the game, you will have flashback sequences that transport you to moments in your past that have led you up to this point in time. Sounds kind of interesting. Um, I'll drop a link in the chat. There is a trailer, so you can check that out at your leisure. Um, talking about games, we did the uh, the quarry, did some more of the quarry yesterday. It was really good. Um, bloody hot yesterday, so I probably wasn't really as on uh, as I as I usually am. Um, we've th I've I've had an irritant really with that game. Not the gameplay itself, but I've been playing it in streamer mode. You have two settings uh where basically you can play it with the soundtrack as as per intended by the game or if you're a streamer you can turn on streamer mode which will instead replace that soundtrack with uh copyright free music which i'm playing that in and on the first episode and now the, the most recent episode we've had a copyright strike um and it's kind of irritating, and I'll, I'll thank Lawrence now because he's gone in to try and uh, kind of edit uh, around that to remove the copyright strike because that stops the channel being monetized or stops that, that episode being monetized. But it has made me think, how do we get around this in future? I do want to finish the quarry, um, but I mean, if we get another one, I may just have to look at something else. A game that has become on my radar recently since upgrading my graphics card is a new PC game called Madison. It looks like a new psychological first-person horror. To my knowledge, it's single-player, which I'm hyped for because it seems most new PC horror games seem to be four-player co-op. Um, I may look at that, so I'm not saying anything is going to happen yet with the quarry, but I mean, if we keep getting copyright strikes when I'm doing everything I can to play it in a mode where we don't get that, then, I mean... It's just going to create more more work than it's worth, really, which is uh, which is a shame. Um, in the chat, the gruff. Did you listen to the RKG podcast about the Halloween franchise? Yes, they were really good. They were really good. Um, I wondered if they'd go easy on Halloween Kills because they had interviews and stuff with uh, with Jamie Lee Curtis, David Gordon Green. I think they did a bit, but maybe that they just enjoyed it more. I mean, the first time I watched it, I was like. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the evil does tonight thing, could, that can j jump off a fucking cliff, as far as I'm concerned. Um, but the film, yeah, it's good. Um, and then on a rewatch, I my opinion has dropped a bit. It's got some cool kills in it. The atmosphere's cool, but there's some stupid decisions, and I hate the evil dies tonight stuff. But yeah, the their series, their podcast series on the Halloween franchise was really, really good. Really good stuff. Uh, now, we're going to get onto the review section. Just before that, this is God. Do we know what film that was from? Uh, I agree, Gruff. I did kind of think that. And I guess if you're doing a show and you've got interviews and the interviews are obviously pre-recorded uh, with cast and crew, then you are maybe going to fluff things up a bit more. Or as in fluff up not as in fluff up get it wrong but as in like fluff like a fluffer <laughs> which is a really bad analogy um to use um but yeah I, I i would imagine that you wouldn't have people you know on the show and then you, you slander the film but again maybe they enjoyed it it did 
some people enjoyed it and, and, and it's their favourite of the new films of the series, but not for me. My opinion of it dropped a fair whack on repeat viewing. I just felt that it was a bit of a letdown after Halloween 2018. Which, for f- fun film fans, uh, Halloween 2018 includes the actor, Tim Robinson, who plays Dylan in The Quarry. He's quite a funny actor in it. Um, the Gruff. Yeah, both of them love the franchise, so are hyped just being fans. Yeah, I mean, like I said, first time coming out of the cinema, I was hyper, hyper. Um, but that happens. I've had other films that I've come out watching. I watched June, and I thought that's crap been tempted to rewatch it but then i thought why didn't enjoy it um <laughs> let's get on to the reviews now first up revealer this is a shutter exclusive um it came up in the news a few weeks back probably about three or four weeks back um and it is uh 2022 shutter exclusives uh directed by luke boyce written by luke boyce michael marecki and tim seeley starring kato ace Shaina Schroten and Bishop Stevens. It's a very small cast. Uh, now, a fun fact. Um, a fun fact is... Wow, I had information that was a fun fact. Bishop Stevens, who has a very small role in this, uh, is a former WCW WWF pro wrestler. He wrestled, uh, he trained with the legendary eight-time world champion Harley Race before signing with WCW under the stage name The Atomic Dog. Uh, Later when they were purchased, and I thought this was interesting to read, I'd forgotten about it really until just now. Later when they were purchased by the WWF, WWE now, Stevens became known as Ali Stevens. I mean, none of that rings a bell to me. If If anyone recognizes that or remembers... Yeah, this film has a former pro wrestler in it. Uh, yes, Baby Ice, that was a Freddy Krueger quote. This is God. Talking about his glove. Um, so, yeah, Revealer. Basically, it is about a... Uh, there's like this um, Christian religious group outside a strip club um, or a kind of peep show thing. Doing a, having their placades up, having a little little piss and moan about the end times coming. We've then got a main character, I think played by Kaita AC, uh, who is a, a stripper um, who performs in like a peep show booth. She then gets locked in there, and literally the end times do come. There seems to be death in the streets. There's these weird, te- weird tentacle type things that we see appearing that are going after certain people. Um, and uh, a woman who was outside preaching, um, who was a school friend or a school classmate or whatever, but the main character, she gets locked in there as well. So they're both then trying to escape, also trying to get uh, Kaito's character out of the booth. I'm wondering if this was a lockdown film. It's a very, very small cast. Um, it does okay, though. Like, it looks good. Um, the graphics for few and far between are all right. It's got quite a nice colour palette to it. Um, And it's basically telling about the apocalypse in 1980 Chicago. I would say if you've got Shudder and uh, you're looking for something new to watch, I would say it's... It's worth a bit of time. It's not great. Um, I mean, I did watch it in two parts just because I've been a fairly busy boy. Um, But it's okay. 
does this job. Uh, I give it six. Six out of ten. Uh, Fran the kind of peep show. She clearly needed super hands to save her. Also, I'll, just, I'll just run to bloody Norfolk. My legs don't work. Oh, <laughs> uh, God, I love peep show. Um, Bruce Todd, has anyone noticed a colour thing with recent Shudder original covers? Yes. I wonder if it's jumping on the hype of Stranger Things, which has that 80s tone, but also has a lot of like this uh, neon in their artworks. Um, yeah, you are right there, Bruce. There does seem to be this purple neon... Because uh, we had it as well with Sacrifice, which was recently on Shudder. I thought that was a bit of a letdown. And that was very heavily similar sort of colour palette. Um, I like it, but there is, a, there is you know, obviously such a thing as uh, oversaturation, of course. Uh, quick, quick swig of water. Sorry, guys. I'd hope to get fresh water, because this is incredibly lukewarm. But we had all the drama, and I, I didn't do the countdown, which is when I'd normally get it. Um, enough with me making excuses. Um, so that is our kind of main film review of the week. I did try to watch, I think it's called Horror Story or something, or I, I need to look for it. It was available to rent, I think £4.50 on, uh, on Amazon. A fairly new film that's, it's like an anthology, but it's about a book club. And I watched the trailer and it did look very good. I just ran out of time. I will try to do that for next week. Um, uh, yeah, if I if I find the title, remember the title, because I think I've added it to my watch list. Um, do you know what? I could just actually have a look at my watch list now. Why not? We're live on the air. Um, my stuff. Watch list. This is where I find out I've not put it on my watch list, probably. Scare us. And it's got like, um, I don't know how much you can put value in the Amazon reviews, but it's got four and a half out of five. And I do remember thinking the trailer looked pretty decent. So maybe for next week, I will stump up the Wonga and watch Scare Us. Not, I've not heard much about it. Um, but yeah, in terms of the artwork, Fran the Cannon, you could be right. Could be a single artist working on them. And if that is the case, I'd say the single artist, maybe expand your repertoire, maybe. Um, but that is Revealer. We are now going to go on to, and this is going to test if my stream deck works, so I can just press a button. We're now going to go on to the Full Moon Retro Review. Did work. Easy peasy. I love this little stream deck. There's a lot I need to work on. I need to work on how to do like kind of game game clips, but not enough time of the day. And I had wedding at the again last weekend. Really good wedding, but goddamn, it was a long old day and then the weekend sucked. This is gonna be called the Excuse Podcast and the Woe Is Me Moaning Podcast, uh from the <laughs> from the sounds of it. Anyway, as suggested by uh Fran the Cannon in the Discord. In line with the homework that we're going to get to shortly, uh, there was a film on Full Moon called The Possessor. <sighs> Bruce Todd, I wish that was the case with this one. Full Moon, where fun matters more than anything else. So I guess Full Moon, this I guess this isn't technically a Full Moon release. This is part of their Grindhouse exploitation releases. So I, it was a 1975 film. I don't think it was initially theirs. Now... It's called The Possessor. It's also been called Exorcist 
three, I think. It's also been called Naked Exorcism. Um, so as soon as I started watching it and seeing the themes, uh, and then looking at the poster artwork now, it follows that thing of like um, Zombie 2 or Zombie Flesh Eaters, where there'd be an Italian sequel to a film, but it's an unofficial sequel. It's kind of trying to ride on the name of the original film. And this was initially trying to ride on the name of The Exorcist, and it's very apparent. Um, I thought this was fucking terrible. Excuse my language. We'll, we'll probably find out soon if I'm allowed to swear or not. Um, I, I really struggled to watch this film. Uh, Baby Ice, trust me. Um, uh, it, no, the title... The original title is Un Uro Dale Tenabre. Um, it's directed by Luca Damiano, Angelo Panaccio, uh, written by Giulio Albonico, Franco um, Broccani, and Aldo Crudo, starring Richard Conti, Francois Prevoste, and uh, Patrizia Gori. A priest becomes involved in demonology and exorcisms. I can't really say more than that. This is coming directly from IMDb. I, I'd, lo I'd love to hear if anyone has watched this before, or or Fran, if you watched it, you know, from your suggestion. Um, and I'm not, I'm not just saying you suggested it because you really enjoyed it. You may, I know, I know that it's in theme with the homework, which I will say now I haven't got around to making a jingle, a homework jingle yet. So um, apologies, that will come when I have time. I'm meant to be studying as well. I've just booked an exam. Uh, accountancy exam for September so I may take a little break at some point from the gaming just you know because I'm otherwise again getting more excuses from me I'm I'm sorry I need to I need to honk on my vape I'm still annoyed still annoyed by all the technical bull crap which meant I've now not got all of my uh, all of my um, notes <laughs> Uh, yeah, this, I mean, Christ, what score can I give it? I'm going to give it... I'm going to give it 1.3. 1.3 out of 10. I just thought this was... Crap. I thought this was crap. Uh, Bruce Todd, Italian doing asylum pictures before asylum pictures. They have a Terminator ripoff that is just pure fun called Hands of Steel. Yeah, when it's done right... You know, I mean, Christ, as we mentioned, obviously, Zombie 2, or Zombie Flesh Eaters, the first time I watched that, a bit too young, scarred me a little bit. Uh, I watched it again not too long ago, uh, ahead of the um, uh, the chat with Erratic Agent on, on zombie films, and I really enjoyed it, and that was initially just a Italian fake sequel, uh, unofficial sequel, but that was really good. This was terrible. Bad, bad, bad film. Um... Yeah, Baby Ice, normally I do. Normally I do love a good Italian rip-off. Not this. Uh-uh, son. Uh-uh. We are now getting to the new section of the show. Um, and I just realise... I just realise I've not actually... Uh, I've not actually pulled forward a copy of what your homework next week is going to be. So I will grab... When we get to an ad break, I will grab um, your, your homework what we're going to discuss for next week homework but now i want people to put into the chat your thoughts your reviews give it a rating out of uh, out of 10 for the homework i set last week which is brandon cronenberg's possessor um i watched this again last night because i i saw it when it came out on blu-ray i thought with given it as homework i need to re-watch it 
Um, I apologise for <laughs> I apologise for the boners in this film. <laughs> um, yeah, I completely forgot that there is um erect dong in in a mainstream. Well, not mainstream. This is a, a science fiction psychological horror film, um, but a non-porn film. And uh, yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, I was just like. Oh Jesus! Okay, what's I, I've forgotten about that, and then later on when uh, you're seeing the psychology of uh, Andrea Riseborough's character, who's in the mind of uh, Christopher Abbott, I believe it is Christopher Abbott's character, um, and then it's her body with his dick at one point when he's having when he she is having sex with Christopher Abbott's character's girlfriend. Um, from the can, yes, we, uh, we have found the bottom of the full moon barrel. I normally have some fun with the full moon film, not with that one, not with that one. Um, I think I think I'm going to go ahead now and announce next week's film. I want to do Killjoy two because I did quite enjoy the crapness of Killjoy, and there's about four films there, and I think they do. They apparently they get better, uh, for, according to the IMDb reviews. So again, written and directed by Brandon Cronenberg, stars Andrea Riseborough and Christopher Abbott with Rusev Sutherland, Tuppence Middleton, Sean Bean and Jennifer Jason Lee in supporting roles. Riseborough portrays an assassin who performs her assignments through processing the possessing sorry, the bodies of other individuals, but finds herself fighting to control the body of her current host, Abbott. I love I, I love the style and the aesthetic of this film. The gore just seems realistic, I thought. I mean, you could look past the very opening when uh, the woman possessed by Andrea's character, uh, Tasia, when she goes ham on this guy, stabbing him in the guts, because he's a big guy, but it's also quite clear that he's wearing a uh, 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 a blood pack suit because he's kind of got that extra layer. But that's that's a little niggling thing. But it's very visceral in that regard. The, the moment when, um, and I'm jumping around a bit here, but when uh, Tasia Voss is possessed... Um, uh, um, what's the character's name? Colin. Um, when he attacks Sean Bean, taking out his eye and then cracking, just basically cracking out his teeth with uh, was it like a poker, like an iron poker? That just looked real. That just looked realistic to me. Um, I look at the chat, the gruff. I watched this today, so fresh in my memory. I found it a little slow at first, wasn't sure I would like it, but I must say, once she took over the guy's body, it really dragged me in. Um, I liked the kind of, it's a faux futuristic 2008, it's an alternate reality 2008. I like the possession techniques where they bring in a body, do an experiment, which puts an implant into their head, which they basically then dial in with this little device. And it's it's cool that they basically make these items look like they could be plausible or look like they, they're appliances which could be real. It's not like bringing out these crazy minority reports things which aren't really that crazy anymore. Um, but they all look fairly plausible, I thought. Um, and there's just this... The aesthetic of it I loved. I, I also liked the... Um, the on, so on the Blu-ray, there's the short film which was the basis for this. And it worked as a proof of concept. So if you don't know what proof of concept is... Uh, sometimes people make a short film just to make a short film. But a proof of concept is a short film where you're basically looking to say, look, investors, give us some money. Um, or, you know, uh, producers, whatever. 
come on board give us some funds we want to tell a story this is aesthetically what it may look like or thematically what it may be um and it had this really cool design of using like strobe flashing imagery to kind of create this like unease and to make you think are you seeing what they're seeing or are you part of their psyche and they do that quite well here with um with uh, Tarsia Voss's character when you are an assassin to assigned to do a kill and you possess a body basically to to do a hit without a hitman being present and for there to be a body of the killer someone that's culpable uh at the start she plays this kind of waitress who attacks this guy and you then have to kind of say take me out as in take me out the machine because it's almost like an engineer type uh seat from like alien you then have to kill yourself and the very start she puts the gun in her mouth but then it's almost at first like she can't do it for some reason so she ends up turning the gun to the police but really is that maybe the inner conscience the inner individual that she's taken over kind of trying to fight back she's been a she's the best of the best for this company she's been doing it for such a long time but this is a fact affecting her detachment from reality and her own identity she initially is believing that she needs to spend more time with her husband and the son and uh, jennifer jason lee's character has to basically say look you're separated you you're no longer married she's oh yeah 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 i know that we then have the next hit which is um sean bean sean bean's daughter and they take over the disgruntled son-in-law to be uh, of sean bean who's taken the piss out of by sean bean's character um and they take him over for her to enter the body of and uh oh just when he should kill himself the guy fights back the guy fights back to take his own identity back and uh tries to destroy the implant that's in his head um he's then almost kind of on the run and we get these scenes where the the, the, the artwork is incredible because we get this moment where you're seeing inside the psyche where it's the two heads connected where she's in his brain but then it breaks away and it just looks grotesque and he almost takes her face off and wears it like a distorted mask um i'll just see what we've got in the chat saying about this so baby i sean bean better get revenge in the sequel um the gruff his death was so good i get what you mean by it being a realistic death um Fran can that kid's robot though what the heck nightmare was that yeah that was weird ending shocked me a bit too says the gruff sure you know why with the kid i mean did not expect that yes there's quite a shocking moment where we've essentially got there's there's a friendship between foss's handler who's a retired assassin called gerda played by jennifer jason lee um but really her own interests are the company and the company achieving their contracts and you know because there's a lot of money to be made in these kills and there's a moment where um voss when uh when um colin is kind of breaking free of her restraint and her in the real in her real body in the machine spits up a load of blood and they say look there's going to be potentially brain damage here permanent damage we need to take her out and uh gerda's like no she stays in we're not we're not taking her out now um it's it leads to a confrontation which is quite shocking where essentially from from memory that uh gerda manages to take over the body of the sun um to get this resolution get this kill it is a bit of a downbeat ending uh the gruff says seven out of ten 
Uh, found the cannon. That was the horror scene in the film. Um, but the mask was damn creepy, the gruff says. Um, did not expect to see an erect love truncheon. Uh, no, I completely forgot about that, Gruff. Um, and Baby Lice, I give it 6.5. Ending was so downbeat. I want some payback against this company. Yeah, I'd be interesting to see what Grand Brandon Cronenberg does next. I still need to watch his previous film, Antiviral. And I don't know what is next on his release agenda, what he's currently working on next. Uh, but for me, I i mean, I really enjoy this film. Um, I'm giving it a 7.5. Oops. Well, you can't see that because I've made the poster too big. Um, yeah, okay, right. Um, oh, God, right. Okay, I'm messing that up. <laughs> There's the poster, 7.5. Okay, I can't, I can't move that. Can I? There we go, 7.5. Um, overall, good shout, Tess. Thank you very much, Gruff. Um, I will grab the next homework shortly. We're going to do book club. Then we're going to have an ad break so I can get, get some fresh water that's not lukewarm. And I'm going to grab what's going to be next week's homework. So, it's now time. <laughs> the long-awaited return. <laughs> oh, shit, got the score on screen still. Um, of the, uh, the MOH book club. There we go. Let me know uh, what that final one is. Ten extra points. I don't know who's got what points so far. Um, so the book club book, which I cheated and listened to on Audible because I thought it'd be quicker, wasn't wasn't at all. Um, um, or Uklu. Oh no, it does come through as book club initially. It's a bit of a fade in, Bruce Todd. Uh, yes, Scream, Ghostface. That wasn't Beavis Jellery. <laughs> Similar. I think it might have been a sound alike. So we did uh, Stephen uh, Chopsky's Imaginary Friend. I'd heard some good stuff about this. I was trying to look for something fairly new um, that wasn't on my radar. And I opted for the audiobooks. I thought, oh, let's just, you know, I was at that time doing a lot of driving. I haven't been for a few weeks. So I thought we'll get through it a bit quicker. Uh, as I said, I didn't. I didn't. Um, I wanted to like this story, and I did through parts of it. 705 pages is a fairly long book, but I mean, I, I, I love The Stand, I love it. I mean, Stephen King. So I'm not adverse to a long novel. I, um, I just felt it took, it seemed to take a long time to get anything going. And that's not always a negative, because you can have scene setting, creating the locations, creating the characters' backstories. And they do do that. Stephen Chopsky does do that. Um, but it kind of seems to go from naught to 30, across like 400 pages, 30 to 90, then fairly quickly, and then the finale, the finale I kind of, I, I, I rolled my eyes at. I'm going to be honest. Um, so basically, and I'll take this from uh, Wikipedia. 
It's a psychological horror novel um, published in October 1st, 2019. Single mother Kate Reese and her son Christopher flee an abusive relationship in the middle of the night. Together, they find themselves drawn to the tight-knit community of Millgrove, Pennsylvania. Initially, Millgrove seems like the perfect place to settle down. Then Christopher vanishes for six days until he emerges from the woods at the edge of tri- at the edge of town. Sorry, unharmed but not unchanged, he returns with a voice in his head only he can hear and a resolve to build a treehouse in the woods by Christmas. Um, there's a lot of promise in this book and it is written well. A part of my annoyance for this was the um the audio delivery now can't remember who who uh who did the audiobook who performed the audiobook um and she generally does well it's a, it's a female narrator but when you're dealing with the voices of kids and bullying taunting there's a lot of repetition okay and she does the voices for the different characters which is great it's a performance almost that's great i can't fault that that's what you expect from an audiobook but there's one particular character, and the voice just grated on me so quickly. Um, I can't remember her name, Sally something or whatever, who's a bully to Christopher, and she'd always call him, say, Floods, because I think the implication was that he pissed his pants. Something to do with his trousers. He was very, very poor family, right? And she'd always go, Floods, Floods! Exactly in that, well, higher pitch, but in that delivery so many times and when you're driving along listening to an audiobook and you hear floods 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 oh, i just thought oh, come on come on move away from this again it's this it's a delivery based on the dialogue the characters but from a, a listener perspective that that wore thin very quickly for me um the story takes some twists and turns. The ca- uh, Christopher goes missing for six days in these woods. When he comes out, he talks about a friendly old man or a friendly kind of cloud man, basically. Um, he gets a voice in his head, and that was the other irritant. There's a moment where he can start reading people's thoughts, which to be helpful. But again, the delivery just wound me up after a number of times. And I guess it's different if you're reading it, because you're putting your own spin on it but when he reads someone's thoughts it does a stop start thing so he'll say john is john is thinking about his mother cassandra is cassandra is thinking about how she hates blah 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 so it it does that and he does it and it, it occurs a number of times in quite quick succession again i think it's just maybe something that transpo- transposes and comes across better in the book than an audio book um so I, I don't want to blame the narrator too much, but it was just, it just was a struggle for me. And when I got to the point of listening at 2.5 times speed this afternoon just to get it done, and I, you could still take it in, but it was like, except I could still kind of hear the words, but um, we get to the reveal where there's this wicked, crazy hissing woman, and uh, she has, in this imaginary world where she's supposedly going to kill everyone at Christmas. And she has all these kids that have got their eyes sewn shut, mouth sewn shut. There's these deer that are, like, eating people. And it is, it's quite creepy in places, like the the violent scenes when people are being, like, eaten or killed and all that. And uh, the backstories of the bully girl, you know, what's happening with her, her home life. All of that is good. I won't fault that. 
when it gets to the end and the reveal of a bit of a twist, that's when I kind of groaned my head, gro groaned, you know, audibly. Um, I didn't really like that too much. Uh, the reveal that, well, actually, the good guy that's been helping you out all along is actually the bad guy. When this old woman's been saying, stop helping him, she was talking to Christopher, not the old man. Um, I guess it works in some regards because you're sort of thinking if this old crazy woman in the imaginary world hates this old man that's helping Christopher, why doesn't she just kill him? Because she seems to kill people. Um, so that, But then with the twist that actually he is the devil um, and he can make people interpret or see things and hear things as he wishes. He gave Christopher the ability to read minds, to uh, help his mum win the lottery. Basically all this ploy to kind of help him bring hell to earth. Um, there's also the side story about another boy who'd been trapped in the imaginary world and found dead um, in the woods, been there for 50 years, which works quite well in tandem with his surviving brother who never knew what happened to him. There's there's a lot going on in this book, and I wanted to like it more than I did. Um, I'm going to look at the... Um, the the notes so fran the can i know read the book i uh, guess the pacing was not great it could have been done with tightening up less pages and better pacing also the kids didn't feel like the ages they were supposed to um in regards to the floods floods um he had short trousers when he started school that made it look like get, they'd been rolled up like you were avoiding getting them wet like in a flood uh the cheating couple melting together was a creepy visual yes hey king welcome to the chat um did you enjoy the book, Generally Frown the Canon? I mean, for me, it's a, it's a, a, a 6 out of 10. Um, I can't really give it higher just because I did find... Again, I'm going to have to base it on the audio version, and there could be things that I found irritating in that that I may not have found if I read it. Um, so I'm, but I'm, on the basis of my experience of it, I'm giving it 6 out of 10. Um, uh, should I put that on screen? Yeah, might as well. Oh god, bloody thing is uh, covering it up. There we go. Six out of ten. Um, hello, amigos. What a blazing hot day. Uh, whereabouts you? Uh, your base in America, aren't you, King? From memory, um, I've got an awful memory. We've had a hot one uh, yesterday and today. It's meant to have been dropping today. I think in some places it has. Our weather certainly hasn't quite dropped at what it said it would. Oh no, it's twenty-two, which is actually meant to be quite. Should be quite good. Um, just been very stuffy. Haven't had the cool breeze that we got outside uh, previously. Um, Hoover Dam explosion, yes, from South Padre Island. Nice, nice, King. Um, Franken, I found the reveal a bit fudged. They say the hissing lady is Eve, but then the nice man was mentioned as God's son, so it was implied to be Jesus. Six point five had potentially be better than it was. Yeah, yeah, I agreed. When it started getting into like a kind of christian morality story i mean people with if you like religion you do you that's fine i'll never tell people what to what to think or what to believe in have faith in um i'm not religious um i've got no interest in when things become i mean i say this but i, I love the exorcist and that's the ultimate battle between good and evil but when things seem to turn to a a story like that i don't know it turned me off a bit not that books turn me on <laughs> anyway so that was last three months worth of homework or so now this is a book i have read before and i had the hardback i've no idea where it went when i moved probably still in my my dad's loft maybe but i picked up the paperback it's dirt cheap i bought a whole bunch of stephen king books recently this isn't one of the one that i put uh 
put up in the Discord, but it's one that I love. Came out uh, a few years back, 2014, um, and I, I remember reading this, and like most Stephen King books, I love the pacing, love how it goes. Finale is insane, so I'm pretty hyped to reread this, and I'm hoping, yeah, hopefully you guys give it a read, or you have some interest in it, or maybe you've read it already, and that is Revival by Stephen King. This is this this is crazy. This is crazy. It's a really good story. I'll I'll read you the blurb on the back. Um in a small New England town in the early sixties, a shadow falls over a small boy playing with his toy soldiers. Jamie Morton looks up to see a striking man, the new minister, Charles Jacobs. Soon they forge a deep bond based on their fascination with simple experiments in electricity. Decades later, Jamie is living a nomadic lifestyle of bar band rock and roll when he sees Jacobs again. Their meeting has profound consequences for both men. Their bond becomes a pact beyond even the devil's devising, and Jamie discovers that revival has many meanings. Um, I'm just going to point out that this is 300 and... 372 pages paperback. So that's also great, because it shouldn't take too long to get through. Um, so that is going to be the next book club book. And I put it over the score for the previous thing. Um, so let me know in the chat if you've read this book, um, or hit up, if you're listening to this later, hit up the Discord or Twitter at ministry underscore horror. And uh, let me know your thoughts on the book, or if you're looking forward to reading the book. Um, I think this paperback was like maybe three pounds new on Amazon. Um, definitely check it out. When I picked this up, they had like a buy four, get 5% off. So that's where I picked up the Backman Books collection, uh, Regulators. And Bag of Bones. That's the other one I got. Bag of Bones. Right, um, we're now going to take a little ad break, and then we're going to get on to uh, well next week's homework and the main discussion. So ba -ba here we go. So um, do what do we reckon? Do we kiss Caitlin? Do we kiss Dylan? Are we kissing a girl or are we kissing a boy? What do we think? Safe in the park, really. Gonna be okay. Oh no. Oh, oh my god. That's Ted Raimi. Roll it down. That's the sheriff. Must be exhausted. I know I am. Oh god, it's gonna get attacked. I think our imagination. Oh shit. Dylan's gonna be pissed. Oh god, she doesn't seem interested, does she? Oh no! Oh no, those side glances are horrible! At the tower, jump free of your troubles. Fight or flight. Oh god. This feels like it's uh, an omen of what's to come. A bit of a thing from the start of the game. Oh crap! Uh, we gotta help Nick. We gotta help Nick. Oh, whoa. Oh, there's the creatures. Oh, no. All right, get that door closed. 
quicker than I expected, even though it was a three-minute trailer. <laughs> I got... I had a quick selection. The thing that I was looking for, I couldn't find, but a couple of films caught my eye. So you're going to get a fairly recent film that I would recommend. I quite liked. Um, Baby Ice, you're probably going to hate me, I'm going to be honest. Um, and we, I went for a, a classic film, a classic slasher. Bloody hell, these are all covered in dust. <laughs> I need to get better at dust in my collection. Uh, so first up for the classics, you're getting two bits of homework. And you know why? Because I had to watch Undertaker vs. Undertaker uh, for my, my wrestling homework, and that was terrible. So I'm giving you what I feel are two good films. I'm interested to hear your thoughts next week. So get your notepads ready, get your means of watching them in the week ready the first up is the classic slasher horror based on the kind of semi-based on the cropsy story and that is the oh god it's lighting up a bit uh the burning the burning this film has one of the best mass murder scenes on a raft that's literally all I'll say about this. Uh, it's a typical story of bullied kid, prank goes wrong, um, revenge is then looked at, you know, uh, later on. It's pretty damn violent, gory, but it's really good. I think a lot of people may have thought, like, at the time, or retrospectively, like, uh, camp, camp um, you know, murders, Friday the 13th. But it's really cool. I really like The Burning. Um, now, for the modern film, this I watched on Sky a couple of years back. Um, 
It's about two years old. And I was quite surprised by it. I quite liked it. It's quite psychological. Uh, it's more, I guess, like kind of body horror, psychological horror. But Baby Ice, I apologise now. I've picked Daniel Isn't Real, which I think has had a sort of semi-sequel. Um, it also has Arnold Schwarzenegger's son in it, as I guess Daniel. And this deals with mental health illness, uh, imaginary friends, kind of similar to the story we had earlier on. Um, film from Adam uh, Egypt, uh, Adam Egypt Mortimer. I would say give this a watch. Fairly modern, um, brief kind of premise. A kid sees a mass murder when he's walking home, and all of a sudden he then has this new kid appears, which is like uh, his imaginary friend. All seems good to begin with. You know, his mum's his mum is dealing with, I think, schizophrenia. Um, but all isn't quite so good as things go on. Um, I'll, that's all I'll say at the moment. Um, Bruce Todd, been meaning to watch that one. So yeah, that's those are the two pieces of homework. Obviously, you know, if you watch just one, pick whichever one you want to watch. If you don't watch them. That's cool as well. We're still going to talk about it next week. So that is Daniel Isn't Real and The Burning. Apologies for the light reflection. So now I haven't got my tabs open because I went to get a drink and get these. Uh, we'll, we'll swing by the... the we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, um, yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Now, Baby Ice, I forgot to mention the reason I said you'll hate it uh, isn't because of the body horror, but because on the front, that's Dylan from The Quarry. He's the main actor in this. He's quite good in it, I will say. I know you don't like, uh, I know you don't like uh, Dylan, <laughs> Baby Ice, but I, I think he is actually quite good in this. Maybe his the character of Dylan himself, as opposed to the actor, is the uh, the irritant. Um, so I'm gonna have to just pull up details as I got them from my list. Uh, so I wanted to talk about oh piss off Wikipedia. I'm not donating. I wanted to talk about um, 90s straight to video horror sequels it's a fairly niche topic of subject but i've seen a lot of uh a lot of um ones thrown out in the chat so i, I don't think i'm alone in having a fondness for this period um why was it such a boom i mean we had it in you know some in the 80s you know we've had like dvd straight to dvd in the 2000s more recently straight to video on demand so really the platforms change but the methodology uh, well the methodology changes but the platforms change the uh the process kind of stays the same that we have a, a horror property that does decent or does well and at some point down the line either through reducing returns um the studios decide hey this isn't going to go to the theater it's going to go straight to video a uh, part of the reason for that is we had the the vhs boom coming from the 80s to the 90s where you could watch these films from a decent quality in the comfort of your own home. And that is where a lot of horror films found their audience. Uh, for example, The Thing. 
that bombed really at the box office. It was the nihilistic approach on an alien uh, alien visitor as opposed to ET, um, and didn't do well. But home videos where it made uh, it made its cheddar. Uh, Army of Darkness that wasn't great in the in the cinema compared to the prior two films, but it found its audience as a cult film with the home video market. So there came as a point where the studios would say, "Look, we want to either continue keeping the rights to this, or we want to." continue the story but it's gonna do better in the home media market so we don't want to put the sort of budget in to get it in theaters and also the additional costs and yada 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 so films would go straight to video and what prompted this was me watching children of the corn part five um a couple of a couple of weeks back or the last week whenever it was and i love that film it's not a very good film but it's just the aesthetic of it and uh i guess for me the nostalgia that i feel for straight to video horror was discovering this whole gamut of sequels to films that i never knew about when i was when i was growing up i had an affinity for horror but early years we only had four tv channels uh bbc one two itv and channel four we didn't even really get channel five where I, where i lived Eventually getting Sky opened up a number of boundaries and, uh, you know, I'd, I'd gone from being able to see Halloween on BBC Two with the Mark Commode intro, uh, some Channel 4 presentations for Texas Chainsaw Massacre, renting on video, The Exorcist, uh, but then getting Sky, I would then see films that weren't really getting shown on terrestrial TV, such as The Thing, uh, such as Ginger Snaps. I mean, Christ, I, I bang on this about enough, but... Uh, I can't say enough good things about how the Sci-Fi Channel, when it was S-C-I-F-I, used to be for showing mid, well, 80s, 90s, early 2000s horrors. It was brilliant. Um, it does it does the odd horror now and again. We used to have the Horror Channel, but that's now become legend because they would show more like kind of non-horror stuff. Um, but it was a cool. For my teenage years, it was a real sort of formative time. And that's where I first saw Children of the Corn Part 5. That's also where I first saw Halloween 4 and Halloween 5. And before we had things like Wikipedia, you know, and the internet, I'd be allowed to go on the internet for half an hour after 6pm and, you know, not when the phone's in use. Um, you'd only really discover these films from word of mouth. You know, someone would always have like an uncle or a dad who had a whole bunch of horror films on VHS that you'd get to watch. Probably seen some at too young an age. But then I would get to see sequels, whether good or bad, uh, to, to films. More often than not, seeing the sequels before the original film. So this one, um, first one I'm going to start with, we talked about the franchise and where the franchise has gone earlier on. Uh, Amateurville Dollhouse. So this was 1996 American supernatural horror film directed by Steve White, starring Robin Thomas, Alan Cutler, Lenora Kastorf, and Lisa Robin Kelly. Follows a family who find themselves haunted after discovering a dollhouse replica of 112 Ocean Avenue, the site of the Amityville hauntings, on their property. It's the eighth film in the Amityville horror film series and was released direct to video. It was the last film in the original series before it was rebooted nine years later. Um, if you've seen one Amityville film, or one Amityville sequel, I should say, you've seen most of them. They they go from the obscure to the creepy to quite bad. 
I mean, probably my favourite Amityville sequel uh, is probably... I think it might be the second one that I really liked. Um, oh, shit. I've opened up too many tabs. I So I quite enjoyed... Uh, oh, my God. There are so many films. Oh, yeah. There's one film coming out soon called Amityville Karen. Uh, we've got Amityville Hex coming out at Vipco. There's Amityville in the Hood, Amityville in Space, Amityville Uprising, Amityville Scarecrow. Amityville Vibrator. This came out in 2020, legitimately. Amityville The Awakening. Amityville Evil Never Dies. Um, so I think it was Amityville 2, The Possession... Or it might have been uh, Amityville, the Amityville Curse, no. Maybe it's about time, a new generation. It might have been Dollhouse, actually, that I really liked. I, I get them all mixed up because there's so many. Um, yeah, there's, I mean, I don't, I can't be bothered to kind of count all these films. But I can't really fault it too much because if you want to try and get your film to sell put the name for property on it like a horror property that has some recognition and you'll you'll get some form of eyes on it that you might not have before i mean one of the amityville sequels i've seen one of the later ones that i have seen there's really no connection to the amityville house it's using the amityville name and that's it so it's a bit of a scuzzy uh, a scuzzy business method i will say um but yeah i mean 1996 we're nine films or eight films into into the series and this is coming around at a time where we've had a number of the films have hit the cinemas, but I don't think this is the first one that went direct to video. This They'd kind of been on a downward trend. And we will see that with a lot of the sequels, where it's a case of diminishing returns. Uh, Bruce Todd, like Hellraiser. Yeah, I didn't include a Hellraiser film uh, like uh, uh, Inferno, or any of the other ones, in the list, purely because I did a Hellraiser show uh, a few weeks back. Um, but this, yeah, this isn't one of the better ones, I would say, in terms of direct-to-video sequels. I kind of felt with this that because you're so many entries into the property, there's not much more you can do. I mean, we've seen some crazy stuff. We've seen monsters. Um, we've seen, um, oh, wait a minute. One of my friends has said they want to watch my stream. Um, that's very cool of them. Uh, but I've got the stream open, so I can't open it up. But I will try to, because they want to they wanna watch. Um, and I will just put that in there. There we go. Um, right. Okay. So, um, sorry, I got sidetracked. So, yeah, it's... This is, like I say, this isn't one of my preferred versions. Uh, Bruce Todd, I want Amateurville Most Haunted with the Vet Fielding. I used to kind of like Most Haunting, strangely enough, um, Bruce Todd, to a degree. I mean, I took it for what it was, um, and I d a lot of those kind of haunting shows don't really interest me. I actually really like a show called, I think it's called The Haunting or A Haunting, which is dramatizations of haunting stories. Not the ones on Netflix. There was one from like the uh, early 2000s, late 90s that was on like the Travel Channel or whatever. But, and there's a, some, there's a whole Pluto channel for it. That was really good for these recreations. Um, but if you like most haunted type shows, the only one that I do 
kind of in, think is actually fairly decent is uh, Portals to Hell with Katrina Weidman and uh, Jack um, Osborne. That's worth a watch, I would say. Probably more so than Amityville Dollhouse. Um, the next direct-to-video sequel, which I do think is actually... It's, it, it's, it's kind of... It is kind of decent, and I do have quite a, uh, a soft spot for the original, and that is the uh, Alexis Arquette starring Sometimes They Come Back Again. Story-wise, this is quite bad. It's quite a bad film, I will say. But it does... <laughs> uh, it does... It does have some creepy performances in it, and the I remember the devil makeup as a kid being kind of freaky. I remember catching the late-night trailer for this before i saw it um and it freaked me out i will say it freaked me out more than the zombie effects from the first film uh sometimes they come back uh it's based well the first film based on a stephen king short story loosely this one is kind of it's it's that sequel trope that we encounter a number of times where it has the name of the previous film or part of that franchise and it's following the same sort of plot beats but it doesn't contain any of the same characters it's not continuation of that story it's more that theme is now transposed to this location with these characters um we have uh what's this it was directed by adam grossman screenplay guy Riedel, adam grossman story by gut Riedel, starring michael gross robert robert arquette i thought it was alexis arquette Oh, shit, clicked on the wrong bit. So Michael Gross from the Tremors films. Uh, Robert Arquette, who was also Alexis Arquette. Um, Hilary Swank is in this, along with Jennifer Elise Cox and W.M. Morgan Shepard. But it generally follows those same beats, and this is one of those sequels that it just has this charm to it. Um, it shouldn't be good, but it is kind of entertaining. And it's what I like about 90s... Um, straight to video horror they just have that tone of things 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 are cheaper they don't have the budget the first film had um a lot of the times it's a product of the era in terms of soundtrack and in terms of cuts and transitions uh but you know we we, we get what we get with it <laughs> that sometimes they come back um talking about diminishing returns we become three films into this series and it's a series that i don't have much affinity for i've discussed it on the show before and the short story as well i didn't think was quite as good as some other ones i'd read Candyman 3 day of the dead this is 1999 american supernatural slash directed by turi meyer starring tony todd and donna de erico um third installment of franchise direct sequel to Candyman: farewell to the flesh it plot follows Caroline, the daughter of Annie Tarrant and descendant of the Candyman, the powerful spirit of the murdered son of a slave who kills those who invoked him, uh, who finds herself targeted by him on the eve of the Day of the Dead. Unlike the first two installments, the film did not get a theatrical release, hence why it's on our list today, and was instead released out to video on July 9th, 1999. Um, followed by a fourth film, titled Candyman, which is a direct sequel to the original film, and returns the storyline to Chicago, Illinois, Caprini Green. Um, oh yeah, Bruce Todd, Candyman 3 could have been much worse. I did feel this was a fair drop-off So from, from 2. So I, I've never really been a huge fan of the first Candyman film. I mean, I've discussed that before on the show. I, I think it's had some real creepy moments in it. 
Um, apologies for honking on my vape. I did quit the vape for a few weeks, but it's a nice little stress reliever, and there's been there's been stresses. Um, Baby Ice, Candyman OG was okay, but the series is overrated, and the remake wasn't needed. Yeah, the remake slash sequel. I remember being fairly intrigued by it. Like initially, I wasn't too fussed, wasn't too interested because, and we reviewed it on the show a little while back, um, because just the story isn't. I, I wasn't really that fussed with the original films, and I did think the remake was fairly decent until the end, where I know Jordan Peele's a producer on it, but it just felt like it had that rushed attempt to explain things, which didn't really explain things and left more questions than answers, or tried to tie things a bit up things up a bit too neatly and kind of threw logic out the window i felt um but yeah Candyman 3 i just remember thinking okay day of the dead was all right not as good as the first film but the first film i wasn't really a big fan of anyway um and day of the dead Candyman 3 it's it's fine but again we're getting the the general horror trope of diminishing returns same sort of story it it's loosely connected to the second film it's a direct sequel but i felt that it was you know it's kind of its own thing really let's be honest um kind of blitzing through these because there's not really too much to kind of talk about just some particular picks really that uh that i quite liked to varying degrees it may not sound like it was some of these this one i did think was out and out batshit crazy and i do think this is a series that at one point was actually getting better before it dropped off massively and it did drop off massively um children of the corn 3 urban harvest i remember watching this maybe on the sci-fi channel i might have got the box set actually i may have got there was a box set of uh um children of the corn 1 to 3 and i remember the first thing i remember about this film was um oh uh zander from buffy's in this it's got a very small role um but this was his film debut debut nicholas brendan uh, it's a 1995 american slasher directed by james dr uh, Hick hickox starring daniel kearney jim metzler nancy grain and mary moreau um it follows two mysterious brothers who are adopted from rural nebraska and brought to chicago a chain of deadly occurrences surrounding the family follows involving a cult in which the younger brother is a follower so children of the corn one is decent it's pretty good it's a pretty good film okay it's again based on a stephen king short story um and i think it's decent it's got some good performances and the effects are fairly off the time as you would expect children of the corn 2 is better than it has any right to be i think i actually like children of the corn 2 more than one it's crazy um it's it's got a good moment where um you get this um this lad gets possessed by essentially he who walks behind the rose and becomes the the new young preacher as we also get in this film it's kind of a trope with the children of corn films and things go crazy from there it the second one i think is brilliant this one is fun it's not as good as the second or, or the first but i like the fact that they thought right we've done nebraska town getting taken over kids killing adults he who walks behind the rose um we then get this they go right okay what we're we gonna do let's let's take it to the city let's take it to the streets and we get the urban harvest and my god we get a proper <laughs> we get a proper look 
I think, of He Who Walks Behind the Roads in terms of this crazy animatronic, uh, over-the-top, plasticine-looking monster. There's some cool moments where, I think it's this one, maybe this one or the second one, where a farmer in a kind of a, an area of farming in the city has gone missing and someone stumbles over him because he's kind of been buried up to his uh, up to his face in the ground to basically be used as like crop fertilizer he's got some really fun moments in this um and this is kind of just a typical film of 90s straight to video schlocky fun you know it's it's not going to win any awards for its story the effects are fairly low budget and kind of poor but it's 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 just it's a mad horror film and what more can you ask really from that um let's looking at the chat so bruce told i'm waiting for Candyman liverpool like the story it's based off yes the original it's based in liverpool um the forbidden is the story uh bruce told i do tony todd doing his shtick with tracksuit scousers all right there kid Candyman, Candyman, Candyman probably an awful scouser accent uh corn three is good schlock i like it nothing touches the original baby ice i love a proper children of the corn miniseries done today uh he also says children of the corn uh children one is the goat uh king love the children of the corn movies never found out who or what was behind the bush now we kind of get a glimpse of something in this uh, in this one this big monster but they always went a bit crazy with what it was. Um, Bruce Todd, how about a modern Zoom? Children of the Corn, adults are not bussing, no no cat. <laughs> oh, God, could you imagine that? Could you imagine a modern Children of the Corn? Well, it's the, I mean, the series is kind of, I think, I feel that it, it hit its, its, not peak, I won't say it's peak, but it hit its quality cap with the fifth one and people can argue that the fifth one is crap i quite like the fourth and the fifth um again low budget schlocky the fourth one we had uh what's her face in her film debut uh naomi watts and then obviously eva mendez debuted in the fifth one but after that like children's Corn 666 isaac's return all that stuff it then just dropped off really badly quality wise um which is a shame and talking about dropping off in quality <laughs> <laughs> my god uh, talk about a series of reduced returns this is a screenshot from howling six the freaks direct video horror from 1991 directed by hope perello from the screenplay by kevin rock starring brendan hughes bruce payne michael matheson sean gregory sullivan aka sean sullivan why does that matter and carol linley the Freaks is the sixth entry in the series of seven standalone films with a loose continuity. Again, you have these sequels, and they really don't really connect to each other at all. There's a very loose thread in it. It's basically just, hey, it's werewolves. Hey, it's werewolves, werewolf community. Um, wait, how many howlings are there? Flipping loads. Uh, let's see if we've got, is there a howling franchise? Um, the, oh, the, the, like most of the films, the films is loosely based on the Howling series of novels. Do you know what? I didn't even know that there was a series of novels. There's three books, uh, 77, 79, 85. I uh, did not know that. Maybe that's a future book club. I probably will forget by like the end of the show. Um, but maybe. Uh, yeah, God, this is crap. <laughs> you can tell. 
you can tell from that screenshot the level of budget left uh, in the series. Baby Ice, howling one of those series starts at the top of the roller coaster and straight downhill. Everyone going lower and lower. Uh, Bruce Todd, uh, your sister is a werewolf is the ultimate, uh, the true peak, the pure Kino. Yeah, the first film, the first film I remember thinking has the best werewolf transformation scene, I feel. But as a film, I think it's okay. I don't think it's a great film. I think it's maybe a six out of ten. And then from there, the series, yeah, it plummets. It goes down the pisser fairly quick. Uh, King, um, when they were putting the silver bullet um, on their mouth to prove they weren't a werewolf, that was brilliant. And the lady turns into a wolf. Yeah, I mean, my, one of my favourites, uh, which I was going to watch last night, but I'll probably watch tonight, um, is Silver Bullet, talking about werewolf stuff. Again, based on Stephen King. I'm a Stephen King uh, fanboy, what can I say? Um, yeah, there's not too much to go on about this film. It's uh, it's the drizzling shits. Uh, next up, this was one mentioned earlier on. Now, I had originally mentioned in the title... Um, uh, I had originally mentioned uh, the third film this entry in the title, but I decided no, no, no. Let's go with Leprechaun 4 in space. There's a trend that we've had in the 90s, also in the 2000s. It probably still happens now. I probably switched off to it. Uh, we had like critters in, in, in space, which makes sense because they're an alien entity from you know from outer space um but generally the first three films set on earth um and with this one the leprechaun series we went to outer space good lord good lord talk about diminishing returns the first leprechaun film is generally quite a fun uh fun horror obviously it's famous for jennifer aniston's first appearance but generally, it's actually a, it's a good, it's a good film. It's quite a good little film. The performances as well. Um, I remember just really enjoying Leprechaun. Leprechaun Two for me was a huge letdown. I was hyped to watch Leprechaun. We were doing um, on my Twitch channel, um, Leprechaun watchalongs, and we never did the third one because I think the rights had come off Prime, which is fucking typical. Um, and there's more Leprechaun films, but uh, I watched the second one. I just found, man, this was this was dull in comparison to the first film. It really kind of killed uh, killed it off for me. Uh, Leprechaun in space. This it, it's I mean it's fun, isn't it? It's Warwick Davis. You can't fault Warwick Davis. And this does go kind of not to a hundred in terms of madness. Set in 2096 on a remote planet. Uh, Leprechaun is courting an alien princess named Zarina in a nefarious plot to become king of her home planet. So they've just gone, look, this is it's a crazy franchise. Fuck it, let's just go crazy with this. Throw it all in. Uh, Into Hood was robbed of an Oscar. Uh, Jason X, the greatest space romp, and you won't change my mind, says Baby Ice and, uh, and Bruce Todd in there as well. Um... If you like a good sci-fi horror, and I will say horror lightly, but if you like a sci-fi campy romp uh, from a horror series, you, I would recommend Leprechaun 4 in space. It is, it's a comedy film. It is a comedy horror in, in space. Um, King, Leprechaun 1 had a solid storyline and no fancy CGI. After that, it just went to push the hype market cells it had. Uh, yeah, agree, King. Uh, they just tried to up the ante a bit too much. The third one... 
Third one's okay. I think it was slightly better than two from memory. But yeah, fourth one, In Space. It's a lot of fun. It's not a good film, but it's a lot of fun. Um, and that brings me to the last film that I've picked, um, which I think is a little bit of a damp script, so I probably should have put this a bit earlier on. Because uh, I really enjoyed the first film. And again, sequels of Diminishing, uh, diminishing Returns. Pumpkinhead 2. Blood Wings, 1994 direct-to-video sequel to the 1988 film Pumpkinhead from Stan Winston, starring uh, that originally starred Lance Henriksen. In this movie, thrill-seeker teens resurrect a demon and come to regret it. The movie is loosely connected to others in the series. The PC video game Blood Wing, Pumpkinhead's Revenge was released shortly after the film. Never played that game. Um, it was a first-person shooter um and it was for dos from ea poorly received maybe the bottom of the barrel of doom clones right well there we go tells you all you need to know similar to this sequel um the first film had a lot of promise an original kind of story this involving kind of witches in modern rural america um tragedy strikes these it's not even really a dickhead group of teens because for the most part they're actually all right there's one of them who's an asshole but they're kind of guilty through association by kind of keeping uh keeping this guy covered for basically running over this kid i will say the kid ran out to an area where they're going on their motorbikes now he's only a kid it's not his fault at the same point i mean was why was no one there watching him lance henriksen bad dad at that moment but tragedy, tragedy can strike at any time, so I, uh, I'm i not a parent, so I can't really say. Um, Baby Ice. I like Pumpkinhead 1 too, I admit it. I also love Pumpkinhead's faraway cousin, Rawhead Rex. Really, Baby Ice. Really. Even the awful mask that just doesn't move in Rawhead Rex. And the bit when he's pissing on the face of a vicar. I'm pretty sure that happened in Rawhead Rex. Rawhead Rex is crazy. Um, I, I wouldn't say it's a good film in my opinion, but hey, to each their own. We all have the things that we like. Um, but yeah, Pumpkinhead 2, Diminishing Returns, fairly similar sort of story. Old blind witch feeds a deformed orphan. Uh, he's the offspring of Pumpkinhead. Yeah, because of course Pumpkinhead slams ass. Um, there's not too much. This It's not that great. It's, it's not great. I'd probably say if you were going to watch any of these ones... Candyman 3's alright. Sometimes they come back again, I enjoy. And I would say Leprechaun 4's fun. Children of the Corn 3, I would probably say, is the pick of the bunch. There are many more 90s straight-to-video sequels I could have got. But these are the ones that I picked. Um, look, Baby Ice, still, I still love it. King of Hueco, I noticed right away that the Pumpkinhead creature changed appearance. I prefer the original style. I hope it gets a revival, but with a different storyline, with no kid or anything to do with the first yeah it's it's a good property i don't know why it's never really been returned to i mean there's been a couple of sequels i think there's been four sequels in total pumpkinhead ashes to ashes and pumpkinhead blood feud both made for tv films that don't reference the previous events i think they were made back to back as well which is always gives you an idea of the quality and i think lance henriksen returns in blood feud doesn't he yeah i don't know why considering he died in uh in the first film but yeah the design in the original is excellent i mean you had stan winston directing and it's his you know his he was obviously infamous for his uh his creature designs so um 
they're always kind of going to be pale imitations, I guess. Uh, anything that tries to follow that. And then, yeah, it just kind of gets worse from there. But that's it. That's what we've got to chat about for uh, horror straight-to-video sequels. I'm going to throw in another little thing because I want to have a quick uh, honk on my vape and a quick drink. Right or wrong, I met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. Didn't get my drink in. Uh, obviously, that's Halloween. That's Donald Pleasant's uh, Dr. Loomis. Uh, Baby Ice, if Rawhead Rex goes on Prime in the UK, then yes, we will do that. Uh, depending on what the weather's like, I don't have a wedding this Friday to film, so I may do a Twitch stream. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Um... But yeah, that's it for today's stream, guys. Thank you for coming. Thank you for your patience with the tech issues at the start of the show. Obviously, podcast uh, listeners, you probably heard my ranting and raving at the start. For whatever reason, my computer, my streaming software was not connecting with YouTube. So we ended up being a fair bit late. Uh, so apologies for that. And I do appreciate those that stuck around and have watched the stream. And of course, I appreciate if you're listening to this on podcast feeds. Uh, to follow me, Twitter is at Tezius, T-E-Z-Z-I-U-S. Um, my uh, the Ministry of Horror on Twitter is Ministry underscore Horror. Discord is uh, <laughs> my friends watching my channel. <laughs> Discord is uh, link is further on in the chat, but I will just share uh, a link. Uh, a comment from my my pal has tickled me. Um, invite people. God, I need to get I need to get better at doing these little hotkeys and shit like that. Uh, oh, what we got going on in the chat? Fran the Can. It's on Pluto TV's on-demand section in the UK. Uh, Baby Ice. Oh, uh, King says, what's the name of the blonde alien kids that control people with their eyes? Baby Ice has answered that. Village of the Damned King. Yes. And also, that is the Midwich Cuckoos. So, there's a TV series at the moment, which I haven't started watching yet, called The Midwich Cuckoos, based on the original story, which was adapted in the 50s to Village of the Damned and Children of the Damned. And uh, Stephen King, it's not one of his better films, but it's still all right. It's still decent in places. Uh, he adapted it, called uh, Children of the Damned, or Village of the Damned, I should say. Um, yeah, Midwich Cuckoos um, is the new adaptation. I don't know if anyone has seen it. Obviously, let me know in the chat. Uh, so Fran McCann says it's on Pluto TV's on-demand section in the UK. Well, shit. Maybe we can figure out how to do a watch-along. It may just be a case of we all have to sync it up, which we have done before. Um, it may then mean that uh, the live stream on Twitch is just me as opposed to the watch party format, but screw it. We can do it that way. We, we can do that if we want. I mean, I don't really want to watch Rawhead Rex again. Uh, Baby Ice and Fran, I will say. Um, King of Wicomundo. The Simpsons Children of the Damned parody was too damn funny when Chief Wiggum opened the door with the glowing eyes. Yes, that was prime Simpsons. Baby Ice, I plan on watching Midwich Cuckoos. And Bruce Todd, I could dig a watch party. So yeah, Bruce, uh, keep an eye on the, uh, the Discord. I normally put in there if I'm going to do a Twitch watch party. The, the normal way it works is if you have your Twitch linked up to Prime and if the film is available in your location, when I hit Watch Party, it will play this film for you and also you'll have my reactions and chat and everything. If it's not available in the location, what we've done, a few of us before have kind of just synced up. So we've all gone, right, okay, 
we're now at the two minute mark so people can kind of sync, sync up the viewings but um it's a lot of fun i mean before i had some health stuff kind of go down i would uh, drink quite a lot of beers uh, i don't i can't really do that now um but yeah bruce yeah uh, sign up to the twitch um i will jump in when i go to do it i'll drop my it's my twitch that i do it on which is twitch.tv forward slash tezius so you can head there and you can give me a follow if you wish so coming up this week on the MOS Network, I believe Lawrence will be do some, doing some gaming this week. I'm not sure what gaming. I know there was a funeral last week for the uh, Red Dead Redemption, Red Dead Online, because uh, Rockstar have killed that. So I don't know if they can continue playing that, but I know that his Red Dead streams have done some cool views. Um... I need to see if there's any other gaming going on. We did a few weeks back do Fall Guys, or Lawrence was doing a stream of Fall Guys that I managed to join in for a bit, and I know Fran did as well, uh, as well as others. Um, so that was a lot of fun. So obviously just keep an eye on socials for any sort of gaming. We do try and game a, a few times a week. And then Sunday, of course, is the Ministry of Slam, 7pm UK, 2pm Eastern. Monday, I will continue the quarry, but if we get any more copyright strikes on music, I may have to change the game. I don't really want to, but it's just a pain if that keeps happening. Uh, and next week's show is TBA. Obviously, it will happen. Next week's Ministry of Horror will be uh, 8 p.m. UK time, uh, 5, no, 3 p.m. Eastern. But in terms of what we're going to be discussing, that's TV. I don't know yet. <laughs> Check the socials. You'll find out. And of course, actually, yes. Thank you, Gruff. Um, Lawrence did a, uh, a review show, a retro review, with MOS, former MOS host and MOS alumni, um, Mart, Marty Blarty, um, which is awesome. His insight, he's always really hilarious as well. I do, I do enjoy his, uh, <laughs> when he's in the chat and also the shows that he's, he's been on in the past. Big fan. And of course, I should mention for the Ministry of Slam this uh, this Sunday, we have AJ Kirsch returning, um, guest hosting on the show uh, with Lawrence and myself. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Got a lot of respect for that guy. Uh, so that is it for the show. Thank you very much for watching. I'm now just trying to find which thing I need to transition to because I tend to balls up at least some part of the show. Uh, but take care and we'll see you around.